This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 164, Adventure Travel with Bill Kerr of Adventure Fit Travel. Hey friends, I hope you had a wonderful weekend and a fantastic Mother's Day. You know, moms out there, you guys rock. You're the ones who made it all possible for us to grow up and be the people that we are and have the adventures that we have, and we thank you for that. The summer months are coming on. I hope that you have lots of great adventures planned. I know for me, it's going to involve a lot of mountaineering, backpacking, there's going to be some motorcycle riding in there and some travel to some exotic places, I hope. And so, you know, put something on the books, put it on the schedule, plan it out a little bit so you have something to look forward to, something that'll help you to get up and get at it. While you're doing that, remember the Adventure Sports Podcast. Tell your friends about us, if you would, please, and go into iTunes, rate us there, and give us a review because those things really help to help us in the rankings so the word gets out. You know, we are really looking forward to 1 million downloads. Now, we're not there yet, but we're excited about the idea, and we hope that by spreading the word, we'll get there faster. That does wonderful things for the Adventure Sports Podcast. It helps us to continue to bring you the wonderful content the great interviewees that we have about adventure sports all over the planet doing amazing things. So we thank you in advance for your efforts. Please do rate us and put a review on iTunes. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Today, I have a guest from down under. We have Australian Bill Kerr with us from Melbourne. Bill is a crazy adventurer, an entrepreneur, backpacker, surfer, loves travel, and he's a fitness maniac. He is a certified CrossFit instructor, and he also recently started a company called Adventure Fit Travel, where they do fitness based adventure trips, which is fascinating. I want to hear a lot more about that. Bill, welcome to the program. Good. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to have you, man. So tell us, what's it like growing up in Australia? Well, it's probably not exactly as you would imagine. We don't ride kangaroos to work and uh, and we don't surf with sharks on a daily basis. But uh, as, I, as I have found that everyone around the world thinks that we do from my travels abroad, I live in Melbourne, right in the heart of the city now, which is fantastic. It's a great Great city, um, but I grew up in a little coastal area called uh, the Mornington Peninsula, which is really cool little uh, little holiday destination. I grew up with um, with the surf right at my doorstep and a really nice bay with nice calm water five minutes down the road. So uh, yeah, I mean I I'm pretty lucky. Well, I read on your website that you went through a period of life where you, you had some illness, and then as you were coming out of that, you said, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure this is how I want to spend my life, and that's part of what caused the, the company to be born here, Adventure Fit Travel. Tell us that story. Well, um, 
Yeah, okay, so I kind of have had two different stages of my adult life, I would say. Uh, the first would be the stage where I was 100% money-driven, success-driven, um, and I was uh, I was a, a real estate investor, basically, and then the stage after when I was ill where I... Um, where I totally changed everything, but it started when I was um, when I was nineteen. My my father um, he helped me and pushed me and kind of drove me towards buying real estate, which was uh, which was good. I bought my first investment property when I was nineteen. I then went on to to get two more properties under my belt by the time I was probably twenty two. Um, at this stage, I was subscribed to Australian Property Investor Magazine, um, Property Investor Australia Magazine. Uh, I would trawl the internet all day, every day in my spare time because I enjoyed it, looking at different properties, so on and so forth. But it was all really money-driven. Um, I just wanted to be successful and I thought the only way that you could be successful or my idea of success at that point in my life was to have a huge real estate portfolio and lots of money in the bank. That's just what, that's just what to me, I thought success was. Um, so, and I was doing, I was doing reasonably well. I renovated uh, a couple of the houses and, and, and stuff and yeah, things were going well in, in that regard. But um, when I was 23, I, uh, I had some... Uh, I had a bit of a health scare and I spent a year, I spent a year pretty unwell and um, I think it was right in the middle point of that, of that period that I think it just, just something changed. It was like a light, uh, like a flick of a switch or, or like a light bulb, uh, uh, a moment came and, uh, and I just decided that this wasn't really what I was about and so I decided that as soon as I was well again, that I would start to travel the world. And then, um, so I spent about six months planning a, a seven or eight month um, South America tour. I started in Mexico and ended in Argentina. And um, yeah, and the rest was history. My whole, my whole life was changed. So what do you think was the biggest impact, the, the health scare or the travel that you say changed your life? I, I think it would be equal parts. I think the health scare pushed me to think, all right, there's got to be more than this. Um, this is, I think it was the fact that I had, I had the worst year of my life, basically. I thought I can, once I'm healthy, I can stay where I am, which is fine. I loved my friends, I loved my family, loved the place that I lived. But I thought, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and see the world. I'm going to have, have fun. You know, I'm going to see as much as I can, do as much cool stuff as I can. So I think it was more that I just felt like I owed it to myself to go out and have that, um, that period of time where I'm seeing the world and enjoying myself. So that was the, the catalyst. And then once I started traveling, and I think it was very lucky that uh, I started my travels in South America. I think that was my first real um, backpacking experience. And I've been through Africa, Southeast Asia, Europe, backpacking all decent amounts of time. And South America, far and away, still is my favorite destination. And I think just getting straight into the immersion of the Latin culture and, and, and into some of the stuff that I was, um, that I was doing in Mexico. Yeah. It just, it just opened my eyes to how much fun can be had out there in the world, you know? Mm, that sounds great. So now you've been to what? It says 35 countries. Yep. Yep. I think 35 is, uh, I think that's pretty current. Um, that's all been, yeah, in that period since I'm just turned 30 now. And that was since I was, um, since I turned about 24, I went to Thailand with a friend of mine on just a little two-week um, getaway quickly. That was the first time that I'd 
ever actually stepped foot out of Australia and on my own, basically. I've been on a couple of family holidays, but that was the first time that I landed in an airport and thought, all right, I'm on my own here. Um, and then, yeah, then shortly after that was South America, uh, which ended up being a six-month trip from Mexico to Argentina. Wow. So fitness mm. and travel have both become a huge part of your life now. Why would you encourage people to travel? I just think it's a very eye-opening experience. I think it becomes, um, or it doesn't become, I think uh, the person traveling becomes a more grounded, um, well-rounded person. My brother, when he turned 18, I my brother's eight years younger than me, so he was turning 18, I was 26 at the time, and because I wanted him to travel, I wanted him to travel as, as young as he possibly could, because I started traveling when I was 24, I thought what I would do for my brother was... When he was um, when he was eighteen, I had what he ha- I gave him for his birthday was a card that had um, happy birthday so on and so forth, and it had a list of six different destinations and six different um, experiences that he could have that we could go and do together, um, and he got to choose what they were. So there was um, going on safari in South Africa, um, surf trip in Indonesia, um, a snowboarding trip to New Zealand. So I, I tried to get him thinking about travel, and I try and do it with everybody that's not just younger than me that's coming, you know, coming to that period of their life, but anyone in general, really. I just think it's a healthy thing to do for to become a better person and to know more about the world. But I also just think it's fun. It's the people are people are their, the best versions of themselves when they're traveling, when they're doing what they're passionate about, when they're all their stresses are taken away. You know, if you try and if you go to a bar in or a, or at some sort of community. Uh, that you find yourself in in your local city or your local town people are you know people are generally pretty nice but people are also very guarded and very people can be strange you find people overseas and you'll find best friends forever and i just think that's an experience that everybody should should try and have you know i know travel has impacted my life in a lot of ways that have been very positive i if nothing else just seeing how different people around the globe live but i think also it's a matter of interacting with people and realizing that hey we, we all are are human you know wherever you go there're humans there you meet people and interact with them right. it's just it's delightful no matter That's how right. diverse our backgrounds uh, the bottom line is i think people all want the same things you know they want to have an opportunity to work an opportunity to have family to enjoy love and freedom and to do fun things that's right and it's not all good things that you see when you travel i mean a lot of the things that made me a better person i think are things that are really tough to see you know i I saw um a couple of experiences come to mind and and uh the first that really really kind of upset me a little bit was going through la paz in bolivia and just seeing the um the poverty and uh and i remember walking past a really old woman who was sitting on the street bolivia is really cold and uh, la paz is really cold it's really high um 4,000 meters above sea level, I, b- I believe. Um, don't know what that is in feet. Sorry for uh, for the American listeners, I'm sure. <laughs> it's about 12, 5, 13. Yeah, so it's it's really um, it's really really getting up there. And I remember walking past an old woman who was um, sitting on the street. She was sitting on the cold concrete selling, um, selling bracelets and necklaces and stuff. And she reminded me of a Bolivian version of my grandmother. And my grandmother's got a good amount of money, a really comfortable apartment, um, all, all the, um, she's just got all her, all the comforts that you need in your old age, you know? And, um, and this lady was, she was selling bracelets for, for 15 cents, you know, to, to people on the street and just getting ignored by absolutely everyone. And it just, it just put things in a perspective. Like some people just, some people, because of 
the way that the the world works, some people aren't afforded the same opportunities that we are. And I think just that, and there was another experience that I had in, in Nepal doing the Everest Base Camp, which was very similar to seeing some young kids, you know, 12 or 13-year-old kids carrying building material up. We're, we're struggling up the um, Everest Base Camp, up the route, you know, puffing and panting and complaining. And then you see, you know, young 12, 13, 14-year-old boys and girls carrying building material um, up the Everest Base Camp trek. And it's just, um, it just puts into perspective how lucky we are. And, you know, and you, you just shouldn't take things for granted. And you should always try and try and make the world a little bit better place. I, I shouldn't really, you know, I shouldn't really go too far into it because I'm not a, I'm not a saint. But yeah, I just think it's, it's a good experience to have to open your eyes and see that, um, see some of the things that are, that are out there in the world. So what do you think it was that really got you hooked on travel? Do you have a story about an experience that said, you know what, I want to do a whole lot more of this? Yeah, sure. I think um, one one story that I have, which was still to this day, still to this day, probably the wildest, one of the wilder things that has um, happened to me. I, I spent about five days traveling with, uh, with a friend of mine when I started my South American trip. He was living in Canada and uh, he was finishing his Canadian six-month um, trip or nine months he'd been living there and he was doing a bit of Mexico on his way out so I was starting a backpacking trip he was finishing a uh, living in Canada stint and uh, we both decided to meet up in Mexico and we did five days in Cancun we did the whole backpacking thing and partying uh, partying, partying our faces off basically but we were staying in a hotel. We didn't really have to make friends. Um, so he left, and then I was on my own. I remember I went to uh, an island called Isla Mujeres, which is just one hour off um, the coast of Cancun, a tiny little island, really beautiful little place. And I stayed in a hostel. And uh, there's actually two funny stories from this um, from this hostel, but I'll, I'll tell the one that can be told um, that's less less um, adult themes. So <laughs> there's <laughs> there's um, so I started I started. Um, making friends in this hostel and about two or three nights in we were playing pool um me a german girl called anna and a german guy called bjorn and uh and a canadian walked in into the the room and started talking to us this this older gentleman his name was guy and uh he started talking to us about this sailing trip that he was going to do from um isla mujeres down to key corker in belize so at the time we're backpacking you know i'm pretty excited it's probably 10 o'clock at night we've had a fair few beers we're we're uh, we're right up and about and excitable and guy invites us to jump on his um jump on his catamaran and sail with him in, um the next morning to, down to belize it was a four-day sail and as excitable young people, we were pretty, pretty, uh, pretty into the idea. So we all start, decided, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it for sure. We're all shaking hands and high fiving. And then the night went on, and then um, the night went on. The next morning, I woke up and I was feeling a little dusty, and I was laying in a hammock having a read. And I looked over and I saw Bjorn. And I thought, I remember that guy. How do I know that guy? And then it clicked. I'm like, oh my god, I'm supposed to be sailing to Belize with this guy tomorrow. So me and Bjorn. Sure enough, Anna came over and met us a little bit later, and then we decided, all right, we're going to go for it. We're going to sail to Belize. So we went and met Guy down on the uh, down on the on the dock. Sure enough, he was there, ready for us. And um, long story short, so we started our sail. Um, we're going through the Caribbean on this forty-two foot catamaran, and there was there was a real lack of wind, so we're just going with the motor, and we're going at about two knots an hour. We were going to take well over four days to get to where we needed to go. So um, what happened was Guy kept falling asleep behind the uh, behind the, the wheel there basically and oh no 
Yeah, it was it was crazy. He looked over at me. I was relaxing with a book. He looked over at me and kept closing his eyes, and his his head was bobbing around. I looked at him one last time, and I said, "Do you want me to have a go at this thing, mate?" And uh, the guy goes, "Yeah, get up, get up here, get up here. I'll I'll show you the ropes." And then uh, so I jumped up. He showed me how to use the um, the GPS. He showed me how to use the mask, how to steer the thing. He showed me how to do everything that I needed to do. He said, I'm just going to go get one hour's sleep, and then I'm going to come up, and then I'll, I'll be fresh, I'll be refreshed, and we're going to be able to sail through the night because we need to sail. You know, We need to keep sailing to get to where we're going. So, guy goes to sleep at about 4 p.m., and uh, all my friends come out, all, all Anna, and, uh, Anna and Bjorn come out, and they're like, hey, what's going on here? I had the captain's glo- uh, mug. He had a, a mug named Captain. I had that. I was drinking out of the captain's mug. I commandeered <laughs> the ship. Commandeered the ship. Anyway, it got to about um, 5 p.m. I'm thinking, okay, guy's going to be waking up shortly. Um, another hour passes. It's starting to go a little bit dark. I said, oh, geez, I really wouldn't mind if guy's going to wake up. It's starting to get pretty dark here. Another half an hour goes, and I'm having fun though. You know, I'm, I've never sailed a 42 foot catamaran through the Caribbean seas before, so I'm thinking <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and I'm going to run with it. Anyway, another half an hour passes and it's pitch black. I thought, okay, this isn't too bad, but the seas have started to get a little wild because the winds picked up. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to play it by ear. I'm pretty confident what, with what I'm doing here. Um, I'm about three hours into my sailing career and I'm, I'm, I'm kicking goals. Anyway, another half an hour passes and we end up in a massive storm in the middle of the Caribbean. So we've Ooh. gone from... We've gone from two knots an hour to, at one point, we got up to 18 knots. And I remember that if we got to 22 knots, guy told me we had to bring the sail down, uh, the mast down to half mast. So at this stage, we're bombing along the Caribbean Sea going 18 knots an hour. I'm, um, I'm, I don't know what was going on. It was the most incredible thing. We're, we're getting bumped over and we're going through the storm. And I, um, I couldn't hand over the, the reins back. I couldn't go and wake up guys. So I ended up sailing us to where we were supposed to, it was supposed to take, I think, 25 more hours to our next port. And I ended up getting us there in about 12 hours. Guy slept the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man. And then Bjorn, Bjorn had to go and wake him up and tell him that we were there and we needed him to, to bring us in because I didn't know how to drop anchor. And he, he didn't believe us. He didn't believe Bjorn. He just kept rubbing his eyes as, uh, as Bjorn's waking him up, telling him, we're here, we're here, we're at the port. We need you to, we need you to wake up. Wakes up, rubs his eyes looks at Bjorn and just gives him the bah, I can't say I can't say what he said but yeah, let me say he was in shock <laughs> <laughs> so what, that that was a pretty long story I'm sorry to drag it out I've taken up half of the podcast but this experience is something that I never would have experienced anywhere else I've never had anything you know I've never had anything that exhilarating happen to me before and I just felt alive I really did just feel like this is what you know this is what adventure and, and experiencing is is about it was re- something I really really looked back on just super fondly it was just amazing it was an amazing experience i think you just summarized one of the reasons why adventure sports are so cool because when you get out the door and you have experiences then the unexpected happens and when it does you make a life experience it becomes a memory which becomes a treasure and had you stayed in australia that never would have happened that's right absolutely (laughs) that's really cool Action cameras evolved quickly and are no longer just for recording your adventures. The new SIOI Iris 4G shares experiences as they happen. The connected camera is built specifically for action sports. It's rugged, wearable, and goes places you won't take your smartphone. The best part? Broadcast from the great outdoors with a simple touch. Your friends can watch live or come back for an instant replay. No downloads, no editing, now that's progress. Visit SIOEYE.com and share your next adventure live. 
Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for the last 20 years. Spring has sprung, but there's still a lot of great skiing in the backcountry, and it's prime time to check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and split boarding gear. Bentgate carries the premier brands, including Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Rocky Mountain Underground, Rosignol, Solomon, Voli, Never Summer, and Jones. With more people in the backcountry than ever, it's crucial to be prepared. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags. Come in and they will set you up with the proper gear and point you in the right direction to educate yourself on snow safety. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment, including the latest skis, boots, split boards, beacons, shovels, and probes. Bentgate also hosts free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a hand on opportunity to ride the latest gear. Be sure to check bentgate.com for their full product selection as well as updates on all of their events. Wow, so you are Captain Bill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you are also called Doc. Why do they call you Doc? Well, it's a terrible, terrible story, actually. it's. Um, I wish I had a better story, but if I tell you the truth, it was because when I was a young kid, I had a friend who would always... We had a group of five of us that we, uh, we were just... We were about 15, and we used to go to parties and hang out, and they were all my best friends. And um, we called ourselves the St. Andrews Five. We were just... Uh, it was our little gang. We, we weren't thugs, but we were just like... That was, that was what we called ourselves. And like every uh, every young group of kids, we had one one friend that was always the one that would just be um, be drunk at all the all the house parties and stuff as as a as a youngster. And uh, that was my friend Sabes. His name was Brett Saban. And he um, look, it's yeah. He, he used to always he used to smoke. Um, this my friend Sabes, and he always used to um, he always used to sit down on his pack of cigarettes and break them, or he would um, he would fall over, or I don't know how he managed to do it, but he would always break his cigarettes. And I didn't smoke, but I could grab the cigarettes and. T- I used to, um, one day I grabbed his cigarettes, I said, give them here, mate, and I twirled, it's hard to explain, I twirled the cigarette, uh, the tobacco out of the broken butt that he had, got the good end of the cigarette, twisted it up a little bit, poked it back in the butt and handed it over to him and said, here, try and smoke that. It was just a one-off thing. I just handed it over to him and he, <laughs> and it worked. And then he looked at me and he said, oh my God, you're the greatest. I'm going to call you the cigarette doctor from now on. And I said, no, you're not, mate. That's a terrible nickname. And then, uh, so he just uh, he just started referring to me as the doctor from um, from then on. I still get the doctor a lot. I get doc. I get um, yeah. I get that. That's where it came from. I'm sorry. The story. <laughs> so it sucks. So, sorry, sorry. The story couldn't have been more um, <laughs> more grand, but that's the truth behind it. I, I'm, I don't normally tell a lot of people. I tell a lot of people um, that they have to find out for themselves, or they have to get they have to become closer friends with me before I'll tell them. But um, now I've told everyone. <laughs> you spilled the beans. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So let's talk a little bit about fitness and CrossFit. I know that that's a big part of what you're doing now. Um, how did you get into that? So I used to play Australian rules football uh, just at a local level, but I took it very seriously. Um, and I started CrossFit a couple of years ago to get better at football, and then I ended up quitting football. The same thing happened with CrossFit, actually. So my Adventure Fit Travel, my company, 
is grounded a, a lot in CrossFit. We do a lot of we do a lot with the CrossFit community, and a lot of um, a lot of our workouts and stuff that we'll do on our holidays will be CrossFit based. You know, that's kind of the training that we'll do. But I'm actually not a CrossFitter myself anymore. I started weightlifting to get better at CrossFit, and because it was my favorite part of CrossFit, there's a lot of Olympic weightlifting in the sport. And then um, and then I did the same thing. Now I'm a, I'm an Olympic weightlifter. I don't CrossFit anymore. So I think I've come nearly come full circle. But um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a weightlifter myself. But I was a uh, pretty high-level, um, well-regarded CrossFit coach and, uh, and strength and conditioning and weightlifting coach. Um, now I've had to take a step back away from that and just focus my efforts on, on adventure fit travel, which is a shame because I really do like coaching people. Um, but I still get to coach and still be a part of it and, uh, and do a bit on the, on the trips that we go on. So, yeah, that's basically, that's basically my history with it all. You know, I was visiting with my son, who's in college now, about a trip to British Columbia. And I said, you remember that trip we took? He was, yeah. And I said, you don't want to remember from that? I remember going to the, the high ropes course at Monquito. Yep. And I remember trying to surf with a full body wetsuit and gloves and everything in that icy frigid water at Pacific Sands. Ooh, ooh. You know, and I said, that's what I remember from the trip. And he goes, yeah, me too. You know, we're there for, I don't know, 10, 14 days and traveled and looked at a lot of things and stayed in a lot of places. But our, our biggest memories were when we were doing, yes. not when we were just observing, right? For sure. And so here you have a travel company that takes people out, and it sounds like, to me, adventure travel and fitness travel, you're talking about a lot of doing here. I think that your your method of travel sounds like it might be uh, the right thing for, for my style of travel. Well, I get that a lot, you know. I mean... It was it was really was scratching my own itch when I decided to come up with the uh, when I d- decided to start the company. I mean, I'd always I'd always travelled, and one of the things that frustrated me most was not being able to train, and and I also didn't like it when I wasn't I didn't feel like I was being active and um, getting out and experiencing new things. So I just kind of thought, right, well, I need a I need to find a loophole so I can keep travelling myself, and then. Uh, and then I, yeah, I just kind of wanted to combine two of my passions. Really, it was me really scratching, scratching my own itch. But that was, um, that's definitely the way that we like to do things, and the way that that I try and run my trips is I get asked, um, I get asked, you know, what's more important with the um, with the trip? You know, do I focus on really quality accommodation and and so on and so forth? And the answer is no. Um, we have three star accommodation, um, sometimes four star in certain locations, but it's all about the experience. It's all about trying to cram in as much memorable activities and and stuff that, like you say, that you'll remember and tell stories about. It's about trying to cram as much of that into a seven ten day itinerary as possible, and then trying to squeeze our squeeze our training in um, around it too. So we've been called a fitness retreat from time to time, or referred to as a fitness retreat, and that's certainly not what we are. Um, and I tell people that I say we're an adventure holiday one we're a holiday and people on holiday they like to depending on the group they'll go and they'll party or they'll want to relax or they'll do whatever but it's a holiday so they'll do their own thing um and the other thing is where we're an adventure holiday where it's very active it's not a it's not a retreat where you'll come back refreshed and and um feeling rejuvenated you'll come back feeling like you need a little bit of a holiday but you'll also (laughs) (laughs) you'll also come back with you know 10 amazing experiences that you'll you'll tell your friends and family for years to to come what I would probably do is uh take a few days somewhere on a beach to unwind and then meet you and go on your trip yeah, that's what a lot of a lot of people do. A lot of people tack on. We just finished a trip in Bali where we um, 
we had um, water rafting and surfing. We went diving. We went we went hiking. We trained with a world champion Russian weightlifter, Dmitry Klokov. We we did we trained and did yoga every day. So it was just so action packed. Everyone, I, I had a guy um, shook my hand, thanked me for changing his life forever. Um, everyone else was the reviews are the greatest experience, best experience of my life. But the the people, it's it's all wound up now, uh, wound down. It's all finished, and there's you know there's a lot of people that stayed over in Bali for those few extra days at the end, and they're just they're just getting massages foot rubs body <laughs> body body scrubs you know they won't be looking at an adventure activity or anything too active i don't think until they uh till they return home so but yeah i think it's i think it works well people just seem to respond well and you know if you, if anyone looked at our reviews and our testimonials on stuff and stuff on facebook and on our website you would see that yeah it's 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 what people it's what people want or, or I, I don't know if it's what they want but the, the response it's getting is phenomenal so i'm pretty proud of what we've achieved so far well it sounds like a ton of fun i tell you so i'm looking at your website here it says that you've got a california dreaming trip that's sold out you have an everest base camp trip coming up this year and you also mentioned that you're planning to get to south america too yeah well like i said earlier south america is my favorite part of uh part of the world basically by a country mile and it's the perfect place for this kind of travel and this kind of stuff that the reason why i love south america so much is because every single day you can go see a natural wonder you know by by and large maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration but there's there's glaciers and and rivers and um the jungle and and salt flats it's just amazing beaches there's there's so many different um avenues for adventure travel and just for just for awesome tourism you know lots of different ruins and cultural um uh culture and history throughout the region so i've been waiting to get back to uh to south america myself personally and then yeah it was just only only a matter of time before south america became an adventure travel destination um so we're about to release our second wave of trips for the year. So we had about uh, four or five on the on the site that were selling, and then now obviously we've only got the two that you mentioned. We're about to release Peru, which will be amazing. We got um we've got a Peru trip coming up, which will be much uh, which will be a bit of time in Lima, a bit of time in Cusco, checking out um checking out the uh, the sacred sites and stuff of those areas and doing some action-packed activities. Then we go into the uh, the Amazon and then we'll have Machu Picchu as, a, as an optional add-on. And then, uh, so that's our first South America jaunt. And then we're also, yeah, about to, um, I mentioned before we before we started the show, we're about to, um, yeah, head over to start our first, um, our first annual volunteering trip, which I'm really passionate and excited about. And that'll be to the Galapagos Islands doing some conservation work for seven days. And then we'll, uh, we'll head over to Easter Island for the optional add on there. So yeah, I think, um, I think people are going to get really excited about that one. Galapagos is a, is a big, um, bucket list destination for a lot of people. So I think, um, yeah, I think, I think it'll go well. I think I'm going to make a lot of people happy there. It <laughs> sounds like wonderful destinations. Yeah. Trips of a lifetime. So how much time do people have to have to go on your trips? Our trips vary. Everest Base Camp that's on the that's on the side, I mean that's just that's fifteen days. You can't do that. You can do it slower. You can't do it much much faster. You wouldn't want to. So that's just a that's a, a one off trip. Um the bucket list destination. We're about to release Kokoda Kokoda Trek, which is um 
big for Australians and New Zealanders, which will be um, which will be nine days. But normally, I try and make the trips seven, eight, nine days, um, and then there'll be a three or four or five day add on. So it's basically a week or so, and then if you want to do a little bit extra, then there's going to be an option there for you, whether it's, um, for example, the Machu Picchu hike in Peru or. Um, it might be the U.S. trip that we've got coming up. It's just an extra few days to check out San Diego and do a bunch of activities in San Diego. So I try and make it so it's kind of easy for people to get to because a lot of people these days in this day and age, they can't travel for a long period of time or they find it a lot more difficult than they used to to get the time off work. So it helps people out money-wise to give them that, that second option of, sorry, to give them two options, having the seven-day trip at the start, which would be a little bit cheaper. And then if they have the time, they can get away from work. Then they can come along for the extra three or four days at the end, make it an 11, 12-day holiday. And um, yeah, so that's basically the time frame. I'm just trying to make it easy for everyone. As we progress, I'm sure there'll be lots more variants in our trips. But at the moment, I think that's, um, yeah, that's that's a good amount of time that we can plan a really good holiday and have a good time in in that space, I reckon. Right on. Cool. We always ask this question. I, I hardly ever do an interview without asking it because it's my favorite question. And of course, the listeners know what it is already. It's the time that things didn't go right. You know, we got to hear the story when things just were upside down and backwards and how you got through it. Well, I've got one story. There is a lot of times when you travel that things don't go to plan as you would, as you would, you know, as you would well know from all your previous guests and from the travel you've done yourself. But the one that springs to mind right now would be, um, when I was in Bolivia on my, um, on my South American trip and I left for the trip at around 82 kilograms. So, It's about 185 pounds, I believe, um, I think. Anyway, I'm not not that great with my conversion. So I left at 82 kilograms, and over the course of... um over the course of about two months, just from lack of eating good food, I've got a fast metabolism, just from lack of eating good food and just traveling and being run down, I dropped about five kilograms. That was fine. So I was walking around at about 76 kilograms, five or six kilograms less, probably you know 10 pounds less. Then I got to Bolivia. So I naturally dropped a little bit of weight. I got to Bolivia and I got really sick. So the food in Bolivia is not that trustworthy a lot of times. And I ended up getting a, something wrong with my stomach and, and my belly where I was on the toilet consistently. Oh. Um, I was throwing up day to day. And it lasted about it lasted about a month. And um, so what would happen was I would be really, really sick for three or four days. The doctors are pumping me full of all these antibiotics. And then I would come good for a day or two and I'd be like, okay, I'm back. Let's go do something. And then, for example, we went and climbed a 5,500-meter peak in, uh, in Bolivia and then I came back and I was sick and then and then um, I got well again and we went into the Amazon and I came back and I was sick got well again went into the salt flats in Bolivia um, uh, Uyuni and then I, I would I'd be sick again so it was lasted about a month and I got to the point where it was so it was crippling it was mentally crippling it was killing me and physically I was wrecked I got down to 66 kilograms so that was another eight kilos I lost and I thought okay I'm gonna have to go home here I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna have to go home and it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't until I did the uh, I did the mountain climb in Bolivia, and what happened when I climbed the mountain in Bolivia? I forgot to sunscreen up. It was a total whiteout, and I didn't put any sunscreen on, so my whole face got burned. And I came back to the ho- to the hotel uh, hostel that I was staying in, and I looked in the mirror, and I had dropped sixteen kilograms, or say about thirty five pounds, oh, from when man. I started the trip. I dropped thirty five pounds, and my whole face had peeled. So can you imagine just looking at yourself in the mirror and going, this is, I look, I'm disheveled. I look 
very, 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 I look like I'm on death's door. I thought, right, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm either going to have to go home or I'm going to have to figure something else out because I was on all these medications and drugs in Bolivia and it wasn't doing anything. So my friend Matt, who I was traveling with, he wanted to go chase a girl down to some different part of Brazil. And I said, look, man, you go. I'm going to go to Brazil as well, but I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm just going to chill out on the beach, eat good food, eat lots of fruit and just get some vitamin D and just see what happens, you know. And if I didn't get well, I was going to, I still had two or three months left of my trip. I was going to cut it short because it was just, it had been a month. I thought, no, nah, I can't do this anymore. And um, so I finally got out of Bolivia. I'm 16 kilos down. My face is sunburned. I'm embarrassed. I'm trying to get back to health. I got to Brazil and um, just went straight to Rio de Janeiro. And all I did, legitimately all I did, I checked in a hostel, kept to myself for the first few days, ate as much food as I could. Literally, they have buffets all through um, Rio de Janeiro, buffet um, restaurants. So I was just picking the food that I could stomach at the time and just getting as much in as I could, acai bowls and fruit smoothies and all this good stuff. And I just sat on the beach. I surfed, I, uh, I relaxed, and Brazil, Brazil fixed me. House of Motorrad is Colorado's original adventure motorcycle rental company. From their top-of-the-line fleet of rental motorcycles by BMW, KTM, Triumph, and Yamaha to their expert service shop, they are your one-stop shop for all of your motorcycle needs. Servicing all makes and models from tire changes to engine rebuilds, House of Motorrad will take care of you and get you on the road. Visit www.houseofmotorrad.com to check out their selection of parts and accessories or call them at 720-466-0047. At House of Motorrad, your adventure awaits you. Hey folks, be sure to swing by 180tac.com to check out the 180 stove and the 180 flame camp stoves. These lightweight, compact, multi-fuel stoves are made in the USA and are designed to be fail-proof on your adventure. These stoves offer the flexibility to cook your meal using twigs and sticks found around you or various other fuels like gel fuel, alcohol, charcoal, or even use them as a windbreak and stable cooking surface for remote bottle gas stoves. The ingenious locking tab and slot design ensures your stove is very solid and stable without the use of hinges, rivets, or fasteners that can fail you in the field. Visit 180tack.com to find your next camp stove. I love Rio de Janeiro. I say it's my favorite city in the world. One, because I went in there with the highest expectations known to man and it blew them out of the water. And two, it legitimately, it saved my trip. So um, yeah, I mean, that was probably, I don't know if that was a, a, a good enough answer. I think um, that's probably my lowest ebb traveling though. I really thought, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And then managed to <clears throat> managed to pull it out, come good and continued on for a few more months and had the, the time of my life. So yeah, it was good. Right on. Being healthy when you travel matters a lot. It really does. But when you start traveling the world, you're going to encounter times when you're not healthy. But I think it's part of the experience, good or bad, you know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, the the kicker for me, I spent five weeks in Kenya, and we were living out in the, the bush with the with the people. And, you know, eating what they ate, drinking what they drank, being where they were this whole time. And then we finally decided, okay, we're going to go to the to the beach, 
south of Mombasa and hang out and relax a little bit. And we got there and well, there are resorts. And so we, you know, we thought we were going to kick back and relax. Well, I didn't have any illness issues until I got to Mombasa to the place yeah. where the food should have been fine. And of course, yeah. <laughs> that's where it hit me, you know. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I, I feel the same way. Sometimes I, I'll have a normal Western meal cooked in a nice restaurant, yeah, in some part of the world. And and my stomach will just go, nope, I'm not, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. That's the biggest thing because everybody's stomachs are so different and the foods that you're used to. And then once your stomach goes, oh man, you know, then all your nutrition's going at the same time and everything just falls apart from there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Well, man, travel is so cool. And thank you for coming on the show and telling us about it. You know, if money were no object and you could go on the trip of a lifetime, what would you choose? Probably go to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> we interviewed on our uh, on our podcast the other day. We interviewed Diane McGrath, who's one of the last uh, hundred candidates for the Mars One mission. And um, I'm a very I get a lot of uh, I'm a very sciencey. Uh, I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to science and um, astrophysics. And I, I, I'm a pseudoscientist, by the way. But um, but yeah, I, I'd probably go to Mars. But if it was in Australia, I mean, on um, on this planet, I'd probably Antarctica. Antarctica is the place I haven't been that I probably would like to go to most. Mm, Antarctica sounds good. Mm, so your podcast, it? you brought that up, Adventure Fit Radio. You guys launched this what about six weeks ago? Yeah, six weeks ago. Um, two episodes a week so far, and it's it's been good. It's been a learning experience. Cool, man. I'm gonna have to tune in. I'm always looking for more adventure type podcast to listen to because obviously i love the stuff the adventure sports podcast is is just a ton of fun and it's so much fun to hear other people visiting to other people about the the things that they love to do too so adventure fit radio cool for sure if i can recommend a, an episode we've got a lot of fitness based guests but i think one that you'd like kurt is uh is the one i mentioned with diane mcgrath um it was a two-part episode so it was about two hours of conversation in total and it was just really interesting to pick the mind of someone who's legitimately planning her life around moving to Mars in uh, in about 10 years. So it's just fascinating to hear what's going through her head. Well, and that trip is planned to be a one-way trip, right? That's right. It's a one-way it's a one-way trip to start a colony on Mars. And there's a lot of people that don't understand the reasoning behind it. They don't they don't think that it's going to actually going to be successful, but as things stand right now, it's full steam ahead for the guys at Mars 1 and the team and Diane and all the candidates. And um yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's uh, it's crazy. So that's my definition of adventure. That's as that's as adventurous as you can possibly be. So yeah, <laughs> I really really enjoyed that one. So yeah, that would be a good one for you to check out. We question the idea of a one way trip, but the reality is that that's how the West got settled. You know, there 100%. are an awful lot of people that came to the New World, as they called it, on a one way trip. They were going to make it or break it here, and that's uh, right. It was tough. You know, some of the early colonies were completely destroyed. They just didn't make it at all. So that's it's right. tough. And that's one of the things that I brought up with Diane. You know, the, 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 all the great explorers before her, her name could be up in lights because there's a team of four that will go away, that will be selected. There'll be two males and two females, and they'll be the first team of four to do uh, to, to head over there. And, I mean, whoever those – should it all go ahead, those first – four people that step foot on Mars, they'll go down with the Christopher Columbuses and, and all great uh, great explorers that have that have been and gone because, um, yeah, that's as, big a, that's as big a thing as humanity can do at the moment. So um, I think it's great. I think it's great to push our limits. And, uh, yeah, I think it's it's only a matter of time before we are there. So hopefully Diane is uh, one of the ones that gets over there because she was a great person and, um, yeah, really passionate about it, what she's doing. Fascinating concept. Do you have any advice for us? 
for people that want to do what you've done, where they say, you know what, the first part of my life's been good, but I, I want to live a richer, fuller, more adventurous life going forward. How would you advise them to start making that transition? Well, I mean, travel doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. There's a lot of places in the world. Um, I'm, I'm writing an e-book at the moment uh, or a book at the moment that won't be out for a long time, but it's, um, it's, at the moment it's about 70 ways to travel the world on the cheap. Um, and it's, I just want to have a guide for people to, um, to use to be able to go and, and travel because people look at travel and a lot of people think, oh, you know, that trip's going to cost me $10,000 or $15,000 or this and that. I mean, travel can be so inexpensive. Flights can be found for next to nothing. And if you travel on a shoestring budget, you can see as much of the world as you, as much of the world as you want. So just, bite the bullet i think i mean there's so many people that will always say that they want to travel but so little of them actually do because life gets in the way yeah just just make time for yourself and and uh, and really make things happen because it's not that hard and i think if you do you'll always be rewarded so i think um yeah just uh make make your travel a priority and uh and pull out all the stops and uh, it's obviously it's not as expensive and and daunting as it sounds and you'll find that out on your first trip i think so just go out there and, and get after it. Mm, good words, Bill. That's cool, man. So how can people get in touch with you? AdventureFitTravel.com, is that right? Yep, that's our website. All of our trips, all of our blogs, all of our podcasts are on there. Um, if they want our podcast on iTunes, it's AdventureFit Radio. Um, pretty easy to find, AdventureFit's one word. And then uh, if they want any personal information from me, any help with anything, I'm always um, I'm always open to your listeners. If they have any questions further, then they can reach me personally at doc at adventurefittravel.com. Um, other than that, we're AdventureFit Travel on all the social media channels and, uh, and all the relevant platforms. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Well, hey, thanks a lot for your time today, Bill. And for all of our listeners out there, as always, get out there and have some fun. Thanks, Scott.